This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Right, welcome back. Rob Brickenridge with you on this Wednesday afternoon. We'll have some more time for your phone calls and our time remaining here to talk a bit about uh, tonight's uh, leaders debate. Uh, the first of two official debates uh, goes tonight. French language tonight, English tomorrow. So we'll talk a bit more about the campaign. Got a few other things to get to as well. I uh, want to turn our attention uh, to our next guest who is out with his uh, first novel in, uh, I guess, about four years. Uh, Linda McIntyre is the winner of the uh, Scotiabank Giller Prize, uh, the author of uh, several best-selling books, both fiction and nonfiction. Of course, spent many decades as an investigative journalist. His latest book is called The Winter Wives. He's also going to be part of a WordFest event coming up this fall, part of their 26 at 26 series, WordFest.com. More details there. Lyndon McIntyre joins us on the line here this afternoon. Lyndon, congrats on the new book, and uh, thanks so much for making some time for us here this afternoon. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Rob. Glad to be here. Uh, I, I'm curious, too, because I, I would think that maybe the past year and a half has been a, a prolific time for writers, but uh, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm misreading that. Uh, did you have a lot of time through this pandemic to, to turn out a new novel here? Well, I did a lot of... Uh, the novel was it was kind of done before the pandemic, but the pandemic gave me a lot of time to like to rewrite and to re- reconsider stuff, and uh, so it was quite useful in that regard. Uh, I've, I've also been working on a nonfiction book, uh, okay. so the pandemic has, has not been very helpful there because uh, nonfiction requires travel, it requires access to uh, archives and libraries and people. And uh, for the last year and a half almost, uh, I've been kind of like paralyzed I mean, getting work done and, and many, you know, reading books and, and, and uh, online access, but it's not the same thing as, as sort of going to the scene of what you want to write about. Yeah. Well, and that, that's the thing I would imagine. And, and, you know, I've spoken to you before about that transition. I mean, writing nonfiction is, is you know, almost a, a long form form of journalism. It seems like a natural progression. But, you know, the fiction, the novel, that, that storytelling requires a different kind of pivot um, and clearly a role you've you've just leapt right into well i it depends i guess it's a lot has to do with your attitude my attitude is mm-hmm. is that it's all just basically telling stories yeah. uh in in some stories you have to restrain your imagination because uh people expect you to be as factual as is possible and to be uh limited in in the input of your own opinions about stuff so that's called journalism uh, nonfiction, uh, book writing, you're, enabled, you're allowed to, uh, to indulge in some creativity in, in, in creating scenes and, and explaining character. But basically, it is, a, it is supposed to be as close as possible to a fact-driven process. Uh, I always think of fiction as also being fact-driven in the sense that the fiction I like to think about and write and, and read uh, has its roots in reality, yeah. and uh, that sometimes I find in writing fiction you can go, you can take a straight line to what you consider to be true, 
uh, without having to go through an awful lot of the formalities of, of nonfiction or journalism. So that, in a way, uh, fiction is a medium for, for truth-telling, as, as is all kinds of storytelling. Yeah, and I get the sense it's a way of exploring topics that, that interest you or fascinate you, and, and you can really explore those in different directions. So this, this latest novel weaves together a, a lot of different issues. I mean, you know, there's themes of, of crime here, relationships, uh, but also specifically uh, dementia. Uh, the, the question of dementia and, and the impact that has, which, as I understand, is something in particular that really fascinated you. Well, I, I've always been fascinated in the, con, in the, in the notion of uh, how well we know people, how well we know ourselves. And what dementia does is it, it creates a fast process of disintegration in which uh, personalities are exposed in ways that probably, uh, given different circumstances, the individual would probably prefer not to, to go through. And we learn a lot about people through illness. Uh, we are challenged by what we learn through illness. We are challenged by, you know, kind and gentle people become cranky and, and sometimes uh, abusive. Uh, abusive and, and taciturn people sometimes become extremely warm and funny. Uh, we, we get to know people in a whole different context. And when you step back from that, it, it, it's kind of true for all relationships. As, as we grow older, as we uh, experience more of life, uh, we change. Uh, the people that we know really well and care about, they change too. And sometimes the changes aren't always welcome. Sometimes uh, we get unpleasant surprises. So we're con our, our relationships are constantly being tested by the by the, just the flow of time and experience, and that's what's happening in this book. You have four very close people who got together as adolescents, thought they knew each other like so well that they couldn't know any more, but they they find out that as time goes by, uh, a lot much a great deal changes, and that they never really are ever going to know yeah. the other person as well as they want to or they think they have. So. Again, it's a matter of, of relationships being tested, demands being unexpected, sometimes unwelcome demands being placed on relationships, which is which is this sort of central reality of, of dealing with someone, uh, helping someone who is suffering from dementia. And was that the spark for this book? And, and do, you know, these projects often start with that kind of a spark, something that, that you're curious about and start asking those questions, well, what if, or what would this be like? And is that sort of the snowball that, that leads to, well, like this? I think so. It, it, I mean, the focus, my first focused thought about this next story I wanted to tell had to do with uh, the effect on a person's self-knowledge of discovery that he has a very serious illness that that will alter everything about him and alter everything that he perceives and uh and that's uh, one of my central characters he he believes he's entering early onset dementia uh he finds out that's a mistake and and in the gap between the false uh diagnosis and and, and the reality that he doesn't have it uh, he has to really figure out who he is and, and, and what drives him, why he does awful things sometimes, why he thinks the way he thinks. Uh, because he can no longer, in, initially he's able to say, well, okay, dementia, mental illness uh, explains everything that I have sort of had time accepting about myself. 
Well, no, you got to go someplace else to find out what, what really drives you and what really causes what you don't like about yourself. Yeah. I, I, I sort of wrestled with that idea, and it gradually started to take on the shape of, of a story involving real people. It's interesting too, you know, the the background, right? The the settings for these stories, and and part of this story in, involves Nova Scotia, and obviously Nova Scotia is near and dear to your heart. You grew up there, spent much of your life there. Is it is important to, you know, tap into what you know? How how important is that background, that setting, and really establishing the the lives of these characters? Well, I, I consider, I guess it's a Canadian thing, perhaps. I consider. Yeah that uh, the, the pl- place, location, is a living, breathing character in every story uh, because it has a profound effect on, on the people that are actually at the center of the story. It's the story, you know, I am a, uh, I grew up in the Atlantic region, I grew up in Cape Breton, mm-hmm. and uh, I consider myself, I'm not, I'm not a kind of a chauvinistic Atlantic Canadian <laughs> or a Cape Bretoner, but I, I have to recognize the fact that who and what I am has an awful lot to do with the landscape that produced me, has a lot to do with the landscape that affected all the people from whom I come and and all the people that I spent my early life among. It's a place I've never lost touch with. I know know the geography, I know the culture, I know the history, uh, I know the rhythms of the place. So if you want to have a character that you can present uh, in a story with some sense of confidence, uh, I think that you go to where you connect best. And and I think most Canadians will find a place, whether it's Alberta or B.C., Northern Ontario, Quebec, uh, a place that you do connect to in a very strong way and, and, and to which you have to attribute uh, an awful lot of who you are. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's quite a natural thing for me to, to write from the perspective of someone from down in, in, the, in the Atlantic region, from a community in the Atlantic region where I can sort of take certain things for granted in, in my knowledge of how those communities function and the dynamics and their personalities. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you mentioned you're working on some nonfiction, and I, I suppose you can <laughs> tell us as much as you want to tell us about that project. But, I, I mean, I, I say all of that uh, to ask you this question because I read that this is likely then your last actual novel. Is, is that the case? Well... <laughs> If you Google me, <laughs> there's a sort of a glaring reason why that could be. I mean, every novel I've ever started, I said, God, spare me to finish this. And when I did finish it, I said, please, God, don't let me start another one. It's a hard process. Fiction writing is difficult. It, it, it requires you to, to travel in terms of yourself. Uh, you would probably ever be locked away. And, uh, and, Anyway, I'm getting old, and uh, I'm, I'm starting to get tired of the travel of it within myself. I'm not tired of traveling. I'm not tired. I'm kind of sick of my own navel-gazing, which is what happens when you get lost in a novel. Yeah. And so I don't have anything else, uh, a fictional buzzing in the back of my head. Being engrossed in a non-fiction project that, that has its roots in the uh, in Ireland in the early part of the 1900s, and uh, and and sort of sprawls over into North America and Eastern Canada, and uh, and it's it's it sort of caused me or required me to dust off the old toolbox of journalism and get into deep research, get into like 
following my nose through places, you know, dark and, and interesting places, and without really knowing what the destination is going to yield. And I, I realized how much I enjoyed doing that when I did it for 50 years, Rob, 50, <laughs> F-I-D-E-0. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it was, a, it was a, an educational and, and, uh, and really important uh, chapter of my life. And so it feels good to be back in that nonfiction realm because it, it reminds me of, uh, you know, what I was good at in some respects and, and reminds me of the discipline that's required to, to tell a story that's fact-based and the work you have to do to dig out facts when uh, they have, for various reasons, been obscured or, or lost. So if it's the last novel, I'm perfectly happy. I've written six novels that I'm pleased with. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one of them was a big success. Uh, I've always said that you can write a good novel. That's your job. You write a good novel, but you can't write a successful novel. A successful novel is, is success comes from a whole bunch of factors over which the writer has no control. Right. And so you write a novel as well as you can. You send it out there. It's like raising a kid. You do your best while you've got control of the kid. Then you send the kid out into the world. <laughs> and the kid is on his own. And you just have to clench your, keep your mouth shut, just let the kid do the best he can. And that's the way with a novel. And, uh, and it's... Uh, it's a heart-wrenching process sometimes, as it is when you send a kid out in the world and the kid does badly, <laughs> makes mistakes. You discover things wrong with the kid that are your fault. These are, these are bad moments. So I'm going to try and stick with the facts for the rest of the, the, rest of the journey. Makes sense. Well, this one is called The Winter Wives. The novel is out now. As mentioned, uh, the event coming up uh, this fall in November. Uh, details at wordfest.com. Lyndon McIntyre, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Thank you, Rob. Always great talking to you. Likewise. Take care. Uh, there you go. One and only Lyndon McIntyre, veteran uh, journalist, uh, many years in, in the trenches in, in that sense, and uh, you know, told us some very important stories over the years and has shifted to a different form of storytelling. Six novels now. One of them, of course, won the uh, Scotiabank Giller Prize. Working on some nonfiction as well. His latest work, The Winter Wives, it's available now. All right, we'll take another time out here. We'll come back. Uh, we'll get some time for your phone calls. You can reach us in Calgary, 403-974-8255. In Edmonton, 780-496-0063. My name is Rob Breckenridge. More after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.